Hello, and welcome again. Hi, this is Pastor Deborah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the garden where you are going to hear words of spirit and life. Yes, we're in the garden. And all of you that are here, by the millions and the millions and the millions, have been brought in the spirit to listen, to learn, to grow, and to develop. This is Pastor Deborah, your teacher. And I'm going to be transferring some wisdom and knowledge, new concepts to you. For you to think about. And when you return back to your biological body, wherever that is, you'll feel different. And we are now picking up in another lesson, another part of Isaiah 61, verse 8. We have been slowly working through these powerful scriptures. Little section by little section. Verse 8 is a powerful scripture that we're working slowly through. We're beginning part number 14 of the Everlasting Covenant. Little section. Remember what verse 8 said. And I, the Lord, will make an everlasting covenant with them. That's you. So we were learning what this everlasting covenant is. And that this Lord was going to be making with you. Pastor Deborah always likes to begin every teaching with prayer. It helps set our spirit in the right place as we are beginning to learn deep spiritual things. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us, that you bring us out of the flesh, and that you remove all barriers to you, that your spirit and your light of truth, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom may penetrate, may come into and be planted and rooted in their spiritual hearts. Unblind their spiritual eyes of their spirit so they can see. Heal their deaf ears to your words of spirit and life unblind their blinded minds that Satan your adversary has blinded them from hearing the glorious gospel the good news of your truth of your light of your freedom help them father they need all the help you can give them for they live in such darkness and ignorance in fear of death and slavery. Their little spirits have been trapped as a tail, just having to go wherever their soul 
wants them to go. They've been trapped in muck and mire and deep clay and darkness. Help them out, Father. Lift them out with your hand that they may hear your words of Isaiah 61, verse 8. How you will make an everlasting covenant with them. We thank you for all the help. We thank you. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Okay, remember we're talking about, number one, the Lord himself, which means owner. He is the owner, the author, the originator of this everlasting, eternal covenant that he wants to make with you. Why would he want to do that, you ask? Because you are valuable. Don't you ever believe what the world or how you're treated or your circumstances tell you that you are not a valuable being. Your spirit is loved. It is so valuable that this father that we are talking about, this Lord of Isaiah 61 verse 8 him and his son his very own image and likeness went to a cross for you died and took your punishment even though you didn't know that you owed it which was owed by one of our ancestors the very first man called Adam And there was a price to pay. You had been sold into slavery spiritually. You were owned by spiritual taskmasters, slavers. You were sold into bondage. Yeah, you were human trafficked. Even when you were just in the little bitty DNA of a sperm, you were sold. Your generations before you were sold into captivity. And this covenant that had originally happened had gotten broken, not by him who made it, but because of your condition spiritually. But now we are learning his heart's desire was to still make an everlasting covenant with you. But you have to understand and believe that you are worth receiving and being in a legal righteous covenant with him. Mm -hmm. Takes a while for you to understand that. So many of you have been told that you are just useless. You're just a slave. You're not wanted. You're not of the right class. You didn't go to the right school. You don't have the right sex. You don't have the right looks. You were born into a caste system. And you are just a slave to do another master's bidding. One that you may not even know or recognize. There are spiritual masters. And there are masters and taskmasters of the subconscious part of you. Your feelings, your emotions, and your mind, and your physical body. 
And you might believe there is no hope for you. That a loving God who wants to heal you and to be in a legal contract with you. And he wants you to be his child. He wants you to inherit and receive this everlasting covenant that we've been talking about. And it'll take a while for you to believe that deep in your spirit because your experiences when you return to your body both in the realm of the spirit and the realm of the world are teaching you that that's not true that he doesn't love you he doesn't want you you cannot receive anything from him and all you are to do is obey that's it well we're going to learn a little bit more about this lord and this everlasting covenant. But before we get started, I want to use a couple of scriptures that always helps us to set the tone, what we're trying to do to help you. Let's go to Proverbs 25, 2. Now I'm going to read from my papers here, so if I look down, that's what I'm doing. Proverbs 25, 2, out of the authorized King James Version states, It is the glory, the honor of God, the Lord of Isaiah 61, the author and originator of the everlasting covenant, to conceal a thing. But it's the honor of kings. That's you. What? You didn't know you were a king? You can't be a king? Why? What? You don't know why you can't be a king, but you know you're not? Well, I'm going to help you to see that you are spiritual kings. And you have to rediscover that. And when we have to teach you all about being a king, you're like a brand new baby. You don't know that. And my job and other people's jobs is to teach you. Slowly train you up to think and believe that you are a king. All spirits that are in human dirt bodies, the ones that are the original ones in it, not the visitors or other spiritual things, that you, who I'm talking to right now, you were created to be a king, a ruler, not only of your spirit, soul, and physical body, but here on earth. You were to manage God's property. Did you know the earth? belongs to the Lord, the creator of it. Did you create it? Mm -mm. He created this earthly world, put us on it, humanity, said, now you go have dominion. That's Genesis 1, 26 through 28 of the authorized King James Version. Let me read that to you in just a minute. So let me finish this scripture to show you that you were created originally to be in this everlasting covenant with him as a king. We're working in Proverbs 25 too. But it's the honor of these kings, you, to search out a matter. So God says it's my glory, my privilege and right to hide something from you. Then you as a king must search. You must dig. You must be an archaeologist. Get down to the foundation. 
even if there's nothing above it, and it's all been washed away, broken, burned, and there's nothing there for your physical eyes to see, or even your spiritual eyes in the condition they're in. But deep below the dirt, hidden away, are some bare, are some foundations. And I want to read those to you right now. So you will begin to see your beginnings of being a king. That Isaiah 61 verse 8 is saying, I am going to make that everlasting covenant with you, O mighty king of the earth. All right, just hang on. I got to reach down and get my Bible. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we had just finished verse, verses 1 through 26, where we read that this Lord, this God, had created the heavens, the spiritual realm, and the earth. And he had brought forth the plants out of the dirt, brought forth the animals out of the dirt, brought forth the waters. And he said everything was good. And he said light and darkness. That means ignorance and truth. Then after that, he brought forth the great lights, the sun, to shine. And he was pretty happy. Everything was going smoothly. And then he said, it was sort of like he got everything ready for his kids. Sort of like if you just, uh, you decide you want to have a baby and you get pregnant. Well, during that time when the pregnancy is occurring, most people, if they can, will prepare a place for the baby. In the room, a crib, get clothes, get food, get themselves ready to birth a child. Now, we know some people, for many different reasons, they don't want that birth. They don't want that child. They think it's a tumor. It's interfering with their biological health. It's a sign of sin. It's a sign of something that they did and didn't control their body. It was a sign that would embarrass themselves. It was something that would hinder them. It was unwanted. Oh, they wanted the sex. Maybe. They could have been raped or forced. But they don't want it. They reject it. They call it a fetus, a glob. They might even think it's a tumor of some kind to be removed so that their health and their mental health would not be impacted by this. Now, that is the storyline, sort of, the party line that they are told. And that this fetus, this thing that's growing in them, they have a legal right to not want it. But they had the sex. They had the eggs. Somewhere along the line, they got a sperm. But now, for many different reasons, finances, Maybe they felt the babe, this baby would hold them back, embarrass them, humiliate them. Maybe they didn't like how their body felt or that they were gaining weight. Maybe they had no finances. Who knows the many different reasons. So they are convinced to abort it, kill it, 
murder it. This fetus that is growing and developing, that is forming a physical body that a spirit will come into or has come into. It could be hated. They could feel jealousy over it, regret, shame, humiliation. The only way to deal with their feelings and their earthly circumstances is to get rid of it. So in many countries, they have legally, through the law, said you can murder this child, but they don't call it a child. They call it a fetus. It's not real. And even if it is a child with that looks like a human, because it's not a dog or a cat or a giraffe or an elephant, they have a legal right by their politicians and their government to legally murder it and kill it. And there is no punishment. But if you kill a human being or a child at, say, six months old, you're going to prison for that. It's murder. Now, the difference is they say the child is not born yet. It's not viable outside of the womb. It's not really alive. It has no human rights because it's not born yet. Okay? So what happens is God says, I want that child to live. I decreed it. I created the the uh, genetics for it, even though it got all perverted. So God is saying here on this brand new earth, there's no humans yet. There's trees. There's gardens. There's plants. There's animals. Now, a lot of people believe that we the earth had already been billions and billions of years old. The dinosaurs had come and gone. Volcanoes had come and gone. For a long time, the atmosphere was not correct for a human to live in. I'm not sure I would like, I don't know about you, living with the brontosauruses or the T-Rexes or the raptors who were reptiles, cold-blooded, because they kind of eat things. We would be kind of puny compared to them. The atmosphere, the fault was not ready for humans yet. But by the time it was, this Lord, this God of Isaiah 61, verse 8 says, I want to create something. They will be my children, and I will be in an everlasting covenant with them. So let's read Isaiah, excuse me, Genesis one twenty six through 28. And we'll hear about how you first came into the earth in your great ancestors. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of the everlasting covenant. All right. Verse 26. And God said, Let us, that's all of him, his mother part and his father part and his word and his Holy Spirit. It was all of them, which is him, combined together. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Make means to create. So what does God did? He says, I'm going to make some creatures who are going to have my image and my likeness. They're going to be my kids. And let them 
not the Father, but him, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's a deep teaching. It does mean over the fish in the oceans and the rivers, but it means something else. Fish actually means the vibratory, wiggling actions of movement. It means stress, things that move like this. Okay? Not peaceful. So he's actually saying, when your emotions and your soul and things are agitating you, you got dominion over them. you got dominion over in here of all that agitation, all that wiggly movement, all that stuff that's going like this. He says, you got dominion over them. Over the fowl of the air, things that are flying around, words, creatures, spiritually, things that are moving around you like this, going past you, words, concepts, people talking. You got control over that. You got dominion, he says. And you can speak to the birds that are up there, those flying things. And he means the fowls of the air that are out there, the demonic spirits. You don't know about them yet. At this age, he says, but they're going to come and try to steal things out of here that I'm trying to implant. They're going to buzz you and irritate you. And they're going to come and attack you. Like a flock of birds might come and start to bam. And he goes on and says, even over the cattle. Hmm? Cattle, have you ever been around a cow? They are very, they're not vicious. Some of the males are, some of the bulls are. But what he means is, cattle means beast of the field. So he's saying, you have authority and dominion over the beast. The foul, wicked, earthly thoughts and images that you're going to probably come into contact with within here. You have dominion over that. And there will be some creatures that you're going to come into contact, they are just like a cow, a cattle, a beast of the field. And you have dominion over that, he says. And over all the earth, okay? He's also talking about in your spirit, soul, and your physical body. My physical body is made up of the earth. I have dominion over all of this earth. I'm to rule it and reign it appropriately. So it stays in optimal condition. I'm not to abuse it. I'm not to hurt it. I'm to care for it. And at the same time, over all the planet called Earth. And the world, the governing system of the Earth, and the resources of the Earth. I'm to have dominion over the clouds, the wind. The water, the plants, the trees, the animals. My goodness, what kind of covenant is this? I'm getting dominion over all of this? Yes, you are. You little spirit one, you. And he says, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, a lot of people just think I'm to be over snakes. Yes, I'm to be able to speak to a snake. Because it creeps or insects. But it also means anything that's trying to creep and slither on my flesh. A tumor, sickness, disease. Anything that's coming against this dirt body and the subconscious that's connected to it. I'm to have authority over that creeping thing. 
that might try to creep in unawares, set up shop. Those are also words that will creep in through many different ways. And you develop concepts and beliefs which you have where you don't believe you're a king. And you are not in this relationship, in this everlasting covenant. Because he only makes that with special people. And you aren't one of those special people. That's what you believe. All right, so let's keep going about you being a king. It's you got authority, you have dominion here on earth and over many things. Verse 27, so God created man, that's the spiritual part, in his own image. His image was a Lord, an owner, a God, the Father, the source, the life-giving spirit. The protector, the shepherd, the mighty warrior. Mm -hmm. What? You're not any of that? Well, no, not right now because you don't know that you are and you don't believe that you are, but you are. And he's trying to get you to rediscover that and then re-believe it and then react and live out of that identity. He says, also, I'm going to create you. This is all in his mind before you're even conceived in him. He has a womb that he conceived you in, in himself. He says, and I'm going to create you in the image of God. And after my likeness, I'm going to take, as we see, it takes a sperm from a father, an egg from a mother. He's going to use both these parts of himself, male and female. Going to combine them together inside of him using the word, the Holy Spirit. Boom. You're in there. Now you're inside his womb and you are developing a little spirit growing. As he is creating the earth, all the planets and time, you are waiting for, to be birthed out of him. And so he is first telling us, I'm going to do that inside of me first. Because he tells us later on that when you look at both animals and humans, and you see how the next species, how children, how babies are created, you need two parts. A male and a male, two sperms cannot create anything. Two wombs, two eggs cannot, you need one and the other. So a lot of times in society, the enemy of you is trying to say, oh, you aren't a man or you're not a woman or something. We don't need that to create. But God says you need a male and a woman, a wound man, a spirit being that has a womb. They're going to create the dirt, earthen body for a spirit man no gender to come into it and he said he's doing that deep on the inside of him and we see that in pregnancy for an elephant it takes two years inside the mother developing and that's how we were inside of him before the earth was created and ready for us to come here so he goes on and said he created he him he first creates one Okay, that was man, okay, inside of God, man. Inside of that being, 
are all the sperm of all of humanity. And also inside of that one is the woman, the female who will come out later. But right now, just the man with all the sperm. And they are inside of this God, deep in his chambers of his heart. For it says later on, as you think in your heart, your mind, so you are. And he says that he created him. Male and female created he them. Now, he created the male and the female bodies. Okay, because they have to come together, a male with sperm, a female with eggs, to produce the biological body to bring in another spirit being. Okay, now they're not birthed out yet. They're inside of him. Verse 28, and while they were still inside of him, he speaks to them. He decrees and prophesies over this one being inside of him. And he says, and God blessed them, both the male and the female that were all in, that were sort of two in one. They, the male that was in there, which was just one, we learn his name is Adam. He has sperm in there. And the sperm and inside of him is a female. So he's talking to both of them. He says, and God blessed them, but they were not birthed out of him yet. They were not here on the earth yet. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. So he's telling them, have more bodies, bring forth more spirits, be a life giving spirit, be fruitful. Okay. He's blessing them. So right there, when you kill an unwanted, you kill a baby in a womb, you are going against this blessing. And you've actually are cursing what God has blessed. And you are not being fruitful nor multiplying. And replenish the earth. He's telling them, keep having more of you. Okay. Now, he can think way far ahead. So he knows death is going to be entering. He knows that the physical bodies are going to die down the road. He knows that. So he's already telling them when they're inside of his body, you replenish the earth. You keep having babies and subdue it. He is saying, replenish the earth, subdue. Do it. Watch over it. If it tries to get out of control, if anything comes in, stop it. Don't let weeds grow. Don't let what you are bringing forth out of you get out of control. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. You watch over them. You protect them. But you don't let them get out of control. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. I'm supposed to work with the fish and tell them what to do. They are my servants here on earth. Also, the vibratory actions that go on and the stress that will go on in me. I'm to have control over that. And over the fowl of the air, I'm to tell the birds what to do or not to do. 
I'm to speak blessings to them. But also, he's telling us in a descriptive way that there's going to be some things flying around that you don't want buzzing around you or landing in your hair or pooping on your hair. You don't want them attacking you. You don't want them coming in your fields and eating things you're trying to grow. You have dominion and power and authority over them. You stop them. You speak to them. And anything flying around, words or ideas or concepts that are not of me and of the image and the likeness I put in you, you have dominion over it. And over every living thing that moves upon the earth. This earth, this physical body, if you get a virus on it, in it, that's a living thing. It has life in it. You're to have dominion over that virus. Cancer, tumors, leprosy, sickness, sleeping sicknesses, anything from the insects that bite you, anything you get out of the water, you are to have dominion over those. You're to have control over this planet. These are the blessings that this Lord of Isaiah 61, this was part of the everlasting covenant that he is speaking to you, the king, and you don't even know it. And so that is our beginnings. Isaiah 61, excuse verse 8 is talking. We ain't even got past the first scripture of Proverbs 25, 2 as we're getting into this. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. There's some secret things about this everlasting covenant. They belong to him, but he will share them with you if you have a seeking heart. If you're looking, if you want to know. I run into people, they don't want to know what caused their biological sickness or their mental illness. They don't care. They don't want to know what's really going on behind the scenes in nations and in countries. They just sort of want it fixed and want a magic pill. Or they don't even, they put blinders up. They don't want to see. And he is saying these secret things. So there must be some things that you don't know about yet. They belong unto the Lord. Even this everlasting covenant. And it is his glory to bring it out to us as we search for it. And as we dig for it. But those things which are revealed. He just revealed to us in Genesis one twenty six through 28. We're kings. We have authority and dominion. He gave it to us. We are male and female. We are blessed. We are to bring forth more biological bodies to bring forth more. We're a life-giving spirit. We're to have authority and dominion. But if you don't know that, then those are secret things to you, but he's bringing them out to you. He says they belong to us and to our children. You're to be teaching this to your children and your children's children forever. So that information, those revelations... That truth, that light belongs to you. Why would you ask? So that we may do them, understand them, think on them, believe on them. Then shine out that revelation, not only inside our spirit, but out to our subconscious person that's in there. 
that's hidden away in our emotions and feelings that's been shaped and formed by the physical body and pleasure and pain and circumstances shaped in sin and iniquity and darkness we're to shine that light that we get to that part of us so it will take its rightful place as a servant not the head that's the spirit's part to be the head not the tail so we're to shine that out to ourselves then as we get that so when i speak to you it's coming through my soul unhindered undefiled there's nothing of me in it there's nothing of a denomination nothing of man but pure spirit and the spirit of light and life can ride on those words and bring to you these spiritual revelations of truth and now we can begin isaiah 68 verse number eight the everlasting covenant i'm not going to go too long into it today because we already had a great entrance and review and beginning we had finished up in lesson number 13 of isaiah 61 verse 8 the everlasting covenant with Matthew eleven twenty eight, where we were told by this wonderful son of the Lord of the everlasting covenant, the word made flesh, Christ Jesus, to come unto him like you're doing now. All you that are labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And some of us just think and think, I was like that last night. I was heavy laden with questions. I didn't sleep much. I'm asking God questions about the future earth. What is life going to be like? What are we going to do with all these people? From the day of the first beginning, can't all fit on the earth at the same time. Are we going to be rebirthed? How are we going to get back down here? What does the book of Revelations mean? What about all the other galaxies that are out there? Are we to go out there and take this gospel to those creatures? Is that what he means? To speak to, to preach this gospel to all creatures? I don't know. And I stayed up most of the night. I was heavy laden with questions, burdened. Some of you are heavy laden and burdened with sorrows and grief and rejection and hopelessness. And bondage to drugs, alcohol, sex, no hope or freedom, nothing. Hungry, poor, he says, you come spiritually. Remember, it's all spiritual work. You spirit being, come to me. You that are heavy laden in your slavery to your soul. You're in bondage, you're stuck in this miry clay. You're in darkness and ignorance. You come to me spiritually. And I will give you rest, little spirit. That's what he's doing here with you in the garden. He has brought you. You have come. He has had you sitting down. Some of you, I can tell, are out cold. The presence just knocks you out. That happened to Pastor Deborah so many times. Did you know I'd lay on the floor, lay out for two and a half hours, unable to move, open my eyes, I could hear in the presence of the Lord and waves and waves of love peace washing 
healing. Cleansing was just going over me, over. Oh, I could see, I could hear him. He was just cleaning, washing. It was so wonderful. I know what that feels like, so you're okay. You just lay there in his presence, because that's what the garden is. Yes, those flowers will stay right next to you. Yes, that bunny rabbit will sit right there with his little paw on you. They're not going to hurt you. Yes, that horse will be right there with you. The animals and the creatures in the garden love you. They are here for you. They've been waiting to meet you. They live in this presence. Now, what we see out in the world, outside of the garden, are their replicas in the natural. And they're different. But their original pattern and creation is here in the garden. Not all of them, because there's some weird-looking creatures. I haven't met all of them yet. But I believe that's where the galaxies, and when you go out like Star Trek, out into the frontiers where no man has gone before, you're going to run into some creatures that do not yet know this God, and they don't look like you. If you've studied the Bible, you'll see a lot of angels. They're strange. They're wheels within wheels. They're just lights. They don't look human like we do. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to learn to love all creation, no matter what it looks like, even if you don't understand it. So we were there when we finished up. This one we're picking up now in part number 14. And we're going to go back to a scripture, Jeremiah 32, 37 through 41. Verse 41. Yes, I will rejoice over them, the Lord says, to do them good. And I will plant them, place them in this land, my kingdom, my presence. Assuredly, he says. And my presence will be with them. And I will be with them with my whole heart, my whole mind. That was Jeremiah 32, verse 41. Now we're going to go back again to another Jeremiah scripture. Jeremiah was a wonderful prophet. I think he was a reluctant prophet, even though his father was a priest in the temple in Jerusalem, and he grew up under him learning the ways of priesthood. But he had a lot of questions, and when it came time for him to present the sacrifice, an innocent goat, on behalf of the king, God started talking to him right then and there. And I've been there before where you're getting ready to do something, and you're stopped, and you hear inside your head, no, don't do that. And you look around, and you don't see anybody. But he stops you before you do something, and he's speaking. Many of you have had that. Maybe as you're just walking, and you just stop. And you and, and you have this thought, like, don't go that way. Avoid that. That's him protecting you. Him talking to you. You just didn't know it. So in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34... This is a real important one. Verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them. He's beginning to tell us through Jeremiah. I made a covenant with them when I brought them out of Egypt. But now I'm going to 
bring in a deeper part of that covenant was always there because out of the Egypt they were flesh creatures they did not have the Holy Spirit with them what he was dealing with was a dead spirit it was in there but it had no Holy Spirit in him and it was dead to God so he was working with just the soul and he's making a covenant with that soul and its biological body but he is saying Jeremiah that didn't seem to work too well I'm going to revise my covenant it's still a covenant with humanity still an everlasting one but I need to do some revisions to it and I can tell you I watched my father do this with a lawyer because as He was trying to help his son upon his death. And he kept changing his mind. Well, I'll do it this way. I'll put my money for him in a trust. No, I'll give it to him outright. No, I'll do this. He went back and forth. But a lot of that was he had to have information. So I know how hard it is for a parent to care for his children and to make an everlasting covenant, a legal will or trust for them to handle. So God has said, we're going to have to uh, make a sort of a new one here and adjust. And I don't want them to wander anymore in the lands. So we've got to settle down. And they shall be no longer the children of the wilderness. And they won't be afflicted in the wilderness anymore as before time. So when they had that one covenant coming out, he says, okay, Jeremiah, we got to teach them. We're now we're in a different place. And we have to adjust it a little bit. And parents do the same thing as a child is growing, okay? Through time, the child grows and learns. You make new agreements with them. You increase responsibility. They're no longer uh, pooping in their pants. They have to learn to go to the toilet. They have to learn to sit at the table and eat. They have to learn to be responsible with things. They have to slowly work through development. And as they're doing that the person who's making the parent is making new covenants agreements with okay you need to learn to save your money okay but i got to give you some money so you can learn how to save it okay you have to learn how to manage yourself when you're out on the streets okay things like that so he is saying that they won't be afflicted in the wilderness because they won't be the children of the wilderness anymore like they were for 40 years wandering around we're going to settle down and so verse 11 and as and since the time that i commanded that the judges these were your lawgivers the ones who listened to the disagreements they were in every city and town they were the elders they were knowledgeable they knew the law they had read the they could read and write and they were considered to be the ones to be the arbitrators they would sit and listen to complaints and they would make a decision he says and and as since the time that i commanded judges to be over my people called israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies there's a lot of enemies we just think of a biological enemy but there's enemies that are your neighbors and you get in an argument with them and if you don't have a judge step in to decide who's right who's guilty who's innocent what the situation needs 
So he placed these judges there so they could have rest from all their enemies because there were enemies within the camp, disagreements, different views, different opinions. And he says, that's what the judges were for. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house, a family. What? Mm-hmm. He calls his people that follow him. This is the everlasting God. You will be my house. You will be my family. A God has a family? Does your God look at you as part of his family? A part of his house? Most gods won't do that because that would make you equal to them. That would make you little gods. That would make you like them. They're not going to tolerate that. Most gods don't have children, but the ancient Greek gods did. And if you go back into uh, ancient Egypt, they believed that the kings, the pharaohs, were God's incarnate children. Hercules was believed to be a son of a god. So back in Greek time, there were children of gods. They were conceived, they believed, in supernatural ways. A god and a spirit came upon the female She conceived and gave birth to a human being. Now, that lasted for many thousands of years. Now what we have is kings are through war. Okay, Whoever wins, they were divinely picked by God and their kids are divine kings because they won. If they had lost, oh well. But nowadays, most gods do except this one. Do not have children. You could be a priest of a God, but you're not his his or her child. So he's telling us in this everlasting covenant, this new thing he's going to make with this people of Israel, which means prince, that he is going to make them, you, his house, his household, his family. You did not know that God, the Lord of Isaiah 61, is your father? What about the God that you might be serving? Are you his child? Does he claim you as a child or just a servant to obey him? And the only way that you can find honor and respect and to be led into paradise or to get into the highest ascension is to just submit and obey and to kill what they call the infidels, those who are non-believers of your God. Is that your God? Is that the family? Does he consider you a family member with privileges and honor? Or are you just an obedient servant that knows nothing and you are hoping to buy your way through obedience into the paradise into heaven by your way through obedience is that what it is this god of isaiah 61 says "Uh, -uh. i'm gonna make you a family i'm gonna be your father we're gonna be a household you're gonna be a son that means offspring of me made in my image after my likeness after my father part my woman part you are gonna be as me going to have dominion and authority and i'm going to make an everlasting covenant with you and when you grow up 
into maturity and are ready to take over and manage yourself, manage the earth, the resources, all the galaxies I will give you, all the creatures to sit on the throne as a king yourself and rule with my heart the kingdom of God and heaven through agape love, joy and peace in and through and with my spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, then you will receive the fullness of the everlasting covenant. But even at that point, you will be drawn and called back to the throne. And he is going to judge your work because even grown adults can screw up and mess up and pervert and twist. We learn that if you will go and look at basic heart about how a high archangel, Lucifer, son of the first age, was had full wisdom, understanding, fullness of the spirit of the Lord, and he got blinded by this brightness of this glory of God, all the light and revelation. And he started thinking in himself, I should be sitting at the throne. Even as a grown, fully mature, spiritual angel, servant, he had thoughts of taking over and the kingship of the heaven of God himself. So even this everlasting covenant is there. It has been spoken. You can receive it, but you can blow it. Well, look, we see it. People work their way up through colleges. They get into high leadership positions. On their way up, they do corrupt, evil, wicked things. They keep it hidden. They get into that position. And we're all hoping they're wonderful and righteous people. And they do wicked, wicked things. Mm -hmm. You can get way on up there and you will come right on down. So I want to end this right here before we get into the next uh, scripture of Isaiah 54, 8. We're learning just a little bit. There's so much. And you cannot go fast. You have to go over the scriptures. You have to think about them. Ponder them. Go back through them. Learn. Be tested on what you've learned. To see if you can apply it. it, it it's heavy stuff. I didn't think I'd make it through my training, but I knew God was in a hurry. Isaiah 61 and 62 were my foundation. They were where I stayed, still do. I go slow. I look up every word. And we're learning this everlasting covenant began in humanity's ancient, ancient beginnings. Now it changed. He made one covenant with the flesh that was back in the Old Testament, trying to keep the flesh, the biological body, in control. Eventually, that will move the same law, will become a spiritual law for the spirit. He couldn't get to the spirit yet, but a few people he was able to talk to because their spirits were a little different, and he would pick them. Jeremiah was one, prophets Moses, Moses, it was strange. He was from two nations, Israel. He was a Levite. He was a priest, his family. They knew about God. The others had forgotten after 400 years. 
but he was given up to save him from being murdered by the Pharaoh. And he was raised by the Pharaoh's sister to be a king of Egypt. But he also knew about his birthright. So he's a, a, a person of two nations, two thoughts. But he, he could read, he could write, and he thought differently. You go watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, with um, Charlton Heston. Excellent. He didn't go and uh, capture people and make enemies of them. He brought Ethiopia as a friend. He thought differently about bondage and slavery. And he thought differently about gods. Because he had been brought up at the breast of his biological mother who talked to him while she was nursing him. Let me tell you about the Lord Jehovah, freedom, who we are. Then when he was taken, maybe at two or three, into the Pharaoh's house, he learned Egyptian ways, reading and writing, became a soldier and a warrior. And he was different than his half-brother, so to speak, Ramses. And everybody loved Moses. Because he had a different kind of spirit. His soul was shaped differently from his mama. From his ancient history of Israel. Moses learned about how the Israelites came to Egypt through Joseph and Abraham. And he got that as a child. Because his mama and his sisters and his brother were telling him when he was young. And then he goes into another world and learns that world. Kingship. Freedom. How to treat people. You go study, Moses. You go watch that movie. It's wonderful. And that's what happened to us. Some of us become the Moses. Pastor Deborah did. Some of us remain like the other Israelites. Ignorant. Don't even know who this God is. We state we want to go back to slavery. Because at least they feed us. They give us HUD homes. They give us, uh, the UN gives us aid. We don't have to work. We don't have to go to school. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to be responsible. We don't have to go to school, can't afford the things. So it's this everlasting covenant is with your spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time with you once again in the garden and that you have taught us through your spirit of life and light. A little bit more about ourselves, about you, about your everlasting covenant, about how it came to be and what you want for us, and how your words, decreed and spoken, are still with us, and how we're learning about our ancient history that can help us. For we know, at least Pastor Deborah does, and you do, that your everlasting covenant is still there, and it is still in effect. Oh, it's been bruised and battered and lost and forgotten and hidden away, but you're bringing it back out for these precious spirits to learn of it to sit in your presence or lay, as most of them seem to be doing, and for you to teach them. This is your work, Father. This is your household. This is your family that you are raising up, for you are the father and the mother. You are their parent. And through your teacher, the Holy Spirit, you are helping them. Guide them. Help them to see what they have not yet learned. Help them to dig through the dirt and the muck and the trash inside of them and find the foundations of your everlasting covenant with them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, we'll see you again in Isaiah 61, verse 8, part 15, the everlasting covenant. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today. 
and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually and hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again, watch another one, and we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments, and if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.